Okay, welcome. I think I think that Mado there is Joe. So, uh, okay, yes, very good. Uh, it, it is great to see everyone. Um, as many of you know, uh, Ross is going to be receiving precepts on April third, and I hope you can all join us either in person or on Zoom. And it's uh, common when one of our Sangha members receives precepts in lay ordination that we accompany that person, uh, that we all receive precepts as well. And so we often study precepts together prior to the ordination of our Sangha member. Well, we've just uh, studied precepts uh, when Ronan was uh, ordained. And so we're going to take a bit of a different tack um, and, and study the precepts through studying and discussing the Eightfold Path, the Noble Eightfold Path, because the precepts are included in that path and vice versa. The path is included in the precepts. Not surprising that everything in Zen practice comes together in some integrated way. The eight, Eightfold Path is um, traditionally understood as an expression of the fourth noble truth. That is that there is a way to be liberated from suffering. And that way is the Eightfold Path. There is a path out of suffering and we can take it if we choose. I'd like to, to continue to approach these um, core teachings in Zen from, a, from slightly different angles because each one of you can go online and find thousands of of um, links to the Eightfold Path. You, you can learn inside and out from all kinds of different perspectives. But one thing that we cannot do by Googling is to come together as a Sangha and to share our mutual understandings with one another. That is unique. That is something that we can only do together. And so I, I like the way we have been approaching uh, the Buddhist teachings, me saying less and you saying more, that we, we share our understandings and our life experiences. So I am going to give a little, little bit of a talk today, but my invitation and my preference, if I'm allowed to have preferences, um, is to invite you to engage in, in this Dharma discussion together. I titled this talk today, Entering the Noble Eightfold Path. And I'd like to just take each of those words and say a little bit about each of them. The first one 
is entering. There was a, um, a Zen teacher who happened to be standing by a stream, as often Zen teachers do. And a young man came to talk with him. And the young man said, I know you're a Zen master. I really would like to learn about this way. I would like to become your disciple, but I don't know how to begin. I don't know where to begin. And the master said, do you hear the sound of this stream? And the young man said, yes. And the master said, enter here. So there is no great um, uh, portal that is gold, gold filled and shining and starry. It's a gate. It's where you are. You enter where you are. He entered with the sound of that stream, where he was. So just pay attention to where you are. And that is your entranceway. That is where you enter. Now, of course, entering the path presupposes that you're not always on it. And I, I think that's something worth considering that many times we find ourselves lost, that we, we don't have a clear direction. We don't have, we haven't chosen to enter a path, but we're searching. And sometimes it feels like we're just wandering around and we're not really entering choosing <clears throat> to enter a particular way of being. And so some people might say, well, we're always on the path. And on some level that might be true, but it's also worth considering the fact, given our personal lives, that we don't always feel that. <laughs> Sometimes we feel completely at a loss. We don't know where we're going, what we're doing, and we haven't made any commitments. We haven't made any choices. And so that there is a sense of wandering. When you approach this practice, it does require a choice. It's, it, it's not always just uh, there for you. You have to make the choice. The path is there. It's been there for over 2,600 years, but you may not be on it. You may not have stepped onto it. And so you really cannot know, you might say uh, that you've entered a path unless you've actually done it. You can stand at its entrance and you can wonder what is what is ahead, but you will never know 
unless you actually step on and proceed with confidence. Mado, you uh, you became muted for some reason. Okay, am I back? All right. So, uh, a little discussion of the first entering, entering the the noble eightfold path. There's another way also of considering this entrance. And that is uh, um, with the idea of the representation of the Eightfold Path as a wheel. And you'll see that a lot in Buddhist iconography. The wheel has eight spokes. And, and entering the path is much like what Buddha did with his first sermon. He, started the wheel of the Dharma turning. It was called the first turning of the wheel of the Dharma. So when you enter the path, you are, you are starting the wheel. You're starting the movement along this way. And you have to start it. It, it, it doesn't keep going. Uh, for you, unless you continually start it, constantly keep it going. This way, this path is a way. It is not the way. Again, you can take this or leave this according to your understanding. But from a, a, the point of view of Zen practice, there, there are no absolutes. So this is not the one way. It is a way of many ways. And sometimes it doesn't suit you. And you won't know that it's your way unless you actually begin to traverse it, to practice it. And sometimes you discover it's not the way for you and you step off. Sometimes we hear in, in Buddhist practice that the most dangerous thing is not so much to start the way, to start on the way, but to stop. So, and again, something to consider. This is called the Noble Eightfold Path. And one might re uh, regard not the path so much as noble, because the path is only a path of many. But when the noble people take that path, when the wise take that path, then it becomes ennobled. So there's nothing uh, intrinsically noble about the path except 
that the wise, the noble ones take it. And we can learn from those, those wise, noble people what a, a good path, a good life's path would be. So the path becomes noble because it works. It is the wise path. <clears throat> it is an eightfold path. So there are eight spokes to this wheel and we will be discussing those eight spokes of the wheel. Sometimes uh, in the early Buddhist teachings, uh, it was known as the tenfold path. There were two additional um, spokes to that wheel. But you know, when the wheel is turning, we don't notice the spokes. The spokes just become the way the wheel rolls. So the spokes kind of disappear as the wheel is rolling. They, they interconnect with respect to the functioning of the wheel. So sometimes we think of the path as linear. You know, it begins with right view then it goes to right understanding, then it goes to right speech, action, livelihood, um, mindfulness and concentration. So we see it as, okay, this is how the sequence goes. But that is not quite the best way of understanding the way the path unfolds. It doesn't unfold in a linear way. It unfolds as a wheel turns. And so we can identify when, when the wheel stops. <laughs> we can look at the spokes and say, well, this is this, and this is right understanding, and this is right speech. But when we are really practicing and living out that way, they're all connected in relationship to the way our life, lives unfold. So don't take the eight or the 10 or the four or the three or the whatever number uh, we're talking about. Don't take those too seriously. They, they're basically ways in which this oral tradition, these oral teachings were remembered. People made lists. But those are just conceptual um, 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 techniques for, for remembering. Um, so don't take the eight too seriously because as we talk about these different aspects of the, the, the way, uh, we'll see how they, they all interconnect. So, the last of the title of today's talk is the word path. And again, I'd like us to consider that this is not a path 
in a linear way. We're not, we're not working toward a goal, an end point. There's no end to the wheel turning, <laughs> just the wheel keeps turning and there's no stopping uh, when we are fully engaged in practice and in our spiritual life. Uh, I like, I like to use this example uh, of the importance of practice as the only path that there is in terms of our, our Buddhist practice, that one must practice. This is not about a path that is conceptual. Uh, it is not a path just to be understood. It's, it's a way, it's a way of living. It's not a literal path. So let's say a person is suffering. They have some kind of illness, a dis-ease, dis-ease. And this person, I usually say he, but today I'm going to say she. <laughs> she is suffering. And she's looking for a way out of suffering. And she learns that there is a famous physician who has helped a lot of people be released from their dis-ease. And she goes, searches for this physician and finds him, let's say it's a him. And this physician writes out a prescription, has diagnoses the disease and writes out a prescription. This is what you have to do. This is the way you, you release yourself from this suffering, from this disease. So this woman takes the prescription home and puts up a picture of the doctor on her table. She bows to this picture. She lights some incense, maybe even puts some flowers on the table with the picture of, of this doctor. And no result. Bowing, she's lighting incense, she's putting the picture up on the table, no result. So she picks up the prescription and she starts to recite it. Two pills in the morning, two pills in the afternoon, two pills in the evening. And she just continues to chant this prescription reads it over, has great faith in this prescription. Still no result, still suffering, still with this dis-ease. So, you know, she goes back to this physician and she says, this isn't working. I still don't feel well. Um, why did you prescribe this to me? 
And the doctor says, well, I mean, this is, I located the cause of your disease. And um, I, I'm not just treating the symptoms, I want to treat the cause. And this is the prescription that I'm giving you to uh, treat the source of your distress. If you follow this prescription, you're, because I've, 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 De I'm dealing with the, with the source, not the symptoms, then your disease will naturally disappear. Well, she says, that makes so much sense. And she goes home and she says, oh, that doctor is really intelligent. He really understood um, better than anybody else that I've ever seen. He really understood what my problem is, what my disease was. And she even went around telling her friends, um, I have this amazing doctor. He's so intelligent. Uh, he's so perceptive. He writes the best prescriptions. <laughs> he's really so, uh, he is the best in his field. <laughs> best in his field. No, no one talks. Still no results. He's still not feeling well. Can't understand it. Well, maybe I should try some other doctors. Maybe I should try some other ways. And you can imagine, you know, she's going around to different physicians, different people who might treat this problem. And yeah, she gets, instead of this prescription for pills, she gets prescriptions for tablets or capsules or caplets or gels or drops or putting on different costumes. And she keeps collecting photos of all these great physicians. <laughs> Teachers. putting all these prescriptions and all these images of her teachers and her physicians and reciting all of every day. She's reciting these sutras, these, these prescriptions, these teachings. Nothing happens. Why? She doesn't take the medicine. You have to take the medicine. You have to practice. And I'm going to say something that might feel a little uncomfortable to some of you. And that is, that when you tell me, well, when I'm driving, I practice. When I'm eating, I practice. I'm practicing all the time. I'm going to say, you're deluding yourself. You have developed your own prescription <laughs> that has nothing to do with what's really troubling you. 
you've be, <laughs> I guess this is called self-medicating. <laughs> this is not practice. It's an excuse for not practicing. So I'm going to, um, this, this is by way of introduction to the Eightfold Path, the Noble Eightfold Path. This is my introduction to practice because the path is the path of practice. And that's what we are going to discuss with one another, how we are practicing and what is coming up for us in our practice. We're going to attempt to avoid this uh, overly intellectualizing and focusing too much on the prescription and more on how that prescription is working. That's harder. It's much easier to just continue to recite the prescription. But what, hap what is happening to you when you take the pill? When you actually internalize it, make it part of your life. So this path, this noble eightfold path is a way of life. It's a way of living. It's not a literal thing. And so we, we are going to, I'm counting on you to be sharing the way your practice is unfolding relative to these various spokes of the wheel. So let's, let's turn the wheel together as a Sangha. Sometimes we need 20 people <laughs> to get that wheel going because sometimes there's, there's an inertia. If the wheel, if the wheel goes off the road, <laughs> if it gets wobbly, uh, we need our Sangha to get it straightened out and going in, in, in the accurate, appropriate direction. So let's all, let's all set an intention to do that for the next few weeks and along with Ross to study the precepts and study this way which he is entering quite deliberately. Yes, putting his foot down onto this path and making a commitment. Thank you. 